right. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the 306 Fantasy Football Podcast. We made it to the big 4-0, episode number 40 here, recording Monday for our Wednesday, February 9th episode. And we are in preparation. It's Super Bowl week, and we're going to be handing out a little bit of hardware for our fantasy football uh, awards of the season here. So uh, we got lots to cover here, lots to talk about, and and obviously, it's an exciting week for football. We got uh, we got the Super Bowl around the corner here. But before we get started, we'll uh, we'll say hello to the fellas. Uh, we'll start this week by saying hello to Zach. There, Zach, how are we doing this week? Uh, so this weekend was a, a stark reminder of what we all have to look forward to. Unfortunately, uh, first weekend in a while with no football. So let's all take in this weekend and really enjoy it because from. Uh, I guess the middle of February until the beginning of July, there won't be much for football. Yeah, you can't call what happened this weekend football by any stretch of the imagination. <laughs> Certainly not. Certainly not. <laughs> and uh, Armin, what's, uh, how's it going this week? Yeah, you know, uh, my wife was uh, sure happy there wasn't football, I'll tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> she, uh, she definitely enjoyed having me and my attention all weekend, which, uh, you know, it was nice and refreshing for me. Um, as much as I like football, you know, my family is also, um, well, family comes number one. So, uh, it, it's nice to get more quality time with them and, and doing something that we both enjoy rather than just watching something that I enjoy. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think, uh, I think my fiance could probably attest to very similar context to what Armin just shared. It was, uh, so nice little weekend change of pace for me. I wasn't on the road that much, three games this weekend which was nice they're all close to home one was in PA and then the provincials started out for senior hockey so I was in Birch Hills for for two games so it was nice I was close to home didn't have to leave early got home nice and early it was perfect but uh, this upcoming weekend I got some master's classes and then Super Bowl Sunday so it works perfect classes Friday classes Saturday and then just get a relish in front of the TV and and that uh well Rock Trout uh, event center for the rest of Sunday it's gonna be, it's gonna be delightful so uh, I, I just kind of mentioned a little bit, but we got uh, we got the Super Bowl watch party. I know I posted some stuff out there on social media. Um, so if you're looking for anywhere to watch the Super Bowl, well, might as well make it a 306, uh, 306 Super Bowl this year. Uh, coming down to Rock Trout Event Center in Prince Albert, Saskatchewan. Uh, we got lots of prizes. Uh, we got a signed Claypool jersey, signed David Johnson jersey, a few different businesses around the community. Uh, Bolt Supply House has supplied a heated sweater uh, with the batteries and everything, the chargers. Um, I know so, uh, Prince Albert Sorcerer Sports is thrown together a package. Obviously, 306 Fantasy Football. Uh, ourselves, we've thrown together a few prizes in there, some signed memorabilia. Uh, we have some other businesses around the community and Saskatchewan and greater Saskatchewan area that are going to be throwing together some prizes as well that just have not been confirmed yet. Uh, we got the 50-50s, uh, we have drinks, food, uh, TVs, projectors. It's going to be an awesome night. And uh, I guess at the end of the day, uh, we're going to be watching some really good football, hopefully a, a, an excellent football game. And it's just an opportunity to, uh, to get together and really appreciate that last week of football, like Zach had mentioned. So if you're looking for somewhere to watch it, make, uh, make your way down to uh, Central Avenue at uh, Rock Trout Event Center here in Prince Albert. Um, I guess with the with the final week here too, we have our. I talked about our matchups a little bit here uh, last week for the 306 charity bracket challenge. 
And I, I mentioned congratulations to Joey Carrier and Robbie Gates who have already solidified themselves for, uh, for a chance at a jersey. Now we're just trying to find out who's going to be first. Uh, Joey's got the Bengals to win the Super Bowl and, and Robbie's got the Rams to win the Super Bowl. So whoever wins is going to decide that number one, number two spots. And then we have myself and Avery Laguerre with eight points, both with the Rams to win. Uh, he's got, I think, the over or the, the Super Bowl final score at 50, and I have it at 45. Um, so that'll kind of decide it if the Rams win. If the Rams lose, we have a five-way tie between myself, Avery Laguerre, Lucas Wells, Kyle Krzynski, and Cody Upton would all be tied at eight, and then it all comes down to that uh, that final score of the uh, Super Bowl. So lots of, a lot of fun there. Um, 10, 8, 8 right now is our is our kind of our ballpark area where everybody's at. So uh, a lot of really good guesses on the bracket challenge. Um, I guess other than that, uh, we'll also have our Super Bowl props bet. So you're going to want to pay attention to that. That'll be getting posted on our social media right away. Uh, it's a very simple Google Forms. Uh, you get the link, you answer the questions. Um, that'll be, I think I'm going to be posting that on either the day this drops on the Wednesday or the Thursday. I'll be right around that area. Uh, chance to win some awesome signed memorabilia once again. Uh, we have a signed Clyde Edwards Alaire jersey uh, from the Kansas City Chiefs. We have a signed miniature helmet from the Baltimore Ravens, uh, Mark Andrews. And then we also have a signed New Orleans Saints jersey uh, from Adam Troutman as well, too. So three really awesome prizes for, for the Super Bowl. So another fun way to be paying attention to the Super Bowl if you can't make it down to the uh, Super Bowl party here in uh, Prince Albert. Uh, a little bit of insiders and headliners. This one just rolled in uh, almost immediately following the Pro Bowl there. Alvin Kamara has been arrested in Las Vegas um, following the Pro Bowl. Uh, he's been charged with assault and battery, causing substantial bodily harm. Uh, at this point, there uh, hasn't been a whole lot that's come out as this is pretty fresh. Um, but doing a little bit of digging, if uh, he is convicted of this charge, he's looking to upwards of five years of prison time. Most times that's not how this ends up going. Um, most times there is a plea or a bargain of some sort. Um, so not even looking at the fantasy perspective, this is a, this is a, a major ordeal, but uh, not a good look for a seemingly rebuilding New Orleans Saints team. But I guess uh, maybe we'll throw it to Zach first here. Zach, where, where do we go here uh, from, I guess, fantasy, from a fantasy perspective? Fantasy-wise, I, I don't know where you go. Um, if you're, if somebody offers you a big trade, um, is it, maybe the news makes you think a little bit harder than you would have otherwise. But I think if somebody's trying to capitalize on a low ball offer and try to sneak it past you, um, I definitely think you should, uh, think it through. And I probably wouldn't take that deal. Um, we've seen a lot of other NFL athletes have similar issues and more often than not, they're, they're out there for most of the season, if not all the season. So I wouldn't suspect that he's going to miss any time, unfortunately, because stuff like this shouldn't go unpunished, but oftentimes it does. It seems. Yeah. Uh, money and fame, definitely uh, the help help in situations like this, like uh, kind of what you're hinting at. For those of you that want to really pay attention to this, uh, a really good Twitter follow is uh, Drew Davenport. 
Uh, his Twitter handle is Drew FBG Auctions. He is a really big Twitter personality that uh, actually follows and, and is, studies law. He's a lawyer uh, in the United States. So he goes and he goes in depth within certain situations like the Melvin Gordon DUI, uh, a lot of in-depth information about the Deshaun Watson case, uh, the ongoing allegations and, and the perspective of that. So he kind of goes into it a little bit of the fantasy perspective, just like, especially from dynasty, but then he talks about like, this is what's happening in the situation. If this happens, like this piece of evidence comes forward, this is what it means for the plaintiff. This is what it means for et cetera. And it goes on. Um, some really, really in-depth, interesting law perspective. And then it, then he starts twisting it into the, the fantasy world. So a really, really good follow. Um, I know I followed him uh, about a year and a half ago and have been pleasantly surprised and very entertained by some of his Twitter threads. So if, um, if there's something that you want to follow along a little bit more and obviously get a legitimate uh, a legal perspective, that's a Twitter follow I would definitely be, uh, be going after. Um, talking about the Pro Bowl, my goodness, uh, did you guys happen to watch any of that? Like, that is just, I, I remember seeing, was it on Instagram or Twitter, the comparison between the, the Pro Bowl of this year to the Pro Bowl of like 20 years ago, and it's just like not even football. Like, did you guys watch any of it? I turned it on for like, actually, it might have been only two minutes. Um, I saw the defense playing two hand touch and the the receivers and the running backs just letting up. Um, and then I saw the offensive and defensive lines kind of touch each other on the line of scrimmage. <laughs> and I was just like, I'm actually feeling frustrated right now. Like, I, I don't think it's good for me to watch this right now. This is making me feel upset. So quickly just found something else to watch. I think I put it to figure skating or something, a real sport. <laughs> <laughs> what about yourself there, Armin? You know, I, uh, I've never actually watched the pro bowl. I've seen clips. I saw clips from this year. The one was like Mac Jones running like what, like 60 yards to the house and doing the gritty in the end zone. Yeah. Untouched well, 60 yeah. yards. That's, that's yeah. as realistic as it comes. Eh, Zach? Yeah. And <laughs> that, dreams are made out of <laughs> that play right there. tells you all you really need to know about the pro bowl. The one neat thing, though, that I thought was kind of cool was uh, the Diggs brothers playing DB and receiver on each other and even reversing roles at, at different times in the game from what it seemed. And I thought that was pretty cool to see the two brothers be able to play in the Pro Bowl together. I, I did watch the uh, the skills comp a little bit of that. That was a little, that was kind of fun. It was on Thursday night, Friday. I'm trying to remember what day that was. That was actually a little bit of fun to watch. And then the, the dodgeball at the end, you know, just kind of <laughs> watching these professional athletes that – have to take everything so serious year in year out and week in week out i should say and then get to go and have a little bit of fun with their buddies after and talking about the digs versus digs um trayvon digs catches the dodgeball and gets his brother out in this big dodgeball <laughs> afc versus <laughs> nfc match so that was kind of fun to watch i think that was more entertaining than the actual football game itself the question that comes from this is how how long until they actually make it like a flag football game get the old lineman out there in space and let them catch the ball around and and make it flag football because realistically that's all it was it's funny you bring that up uh, like this is going back quite a while ago um i actually never watched this but i've read about it in a few uh new england patriot uh books um back in like 2000 or 2001 they used to have a touch game on the beach at the pro bowl and uh-huh. uh one of like the patriots like up and coming running backs blew out his 
ACL, I think, and this was in like the early 2000s. So medicine wasn't where it is now. And it really derailed his career. And he played most of his career in the CFL actually as a result of that injury. So <laughs> honestly, I think just get rid of the pro ball, just do the skills comp. Or I saw somebody the other day joke on Twitter, have like the two worst teams. Yeah. In this case, it would be like the Detroit Lions and the Jacksonville Jaguars play one extra game. Uh, winner gets the number one draft pick and the players get the bonus that the Pro Bowl players would get for winning the game. Oh, it's spicy. I like that. I seen that yeah, too. I'm like, this, this legitimately could happen. Like we talked about entertainment value. There's no entertainment value from the Pro Bowl. Like you can still send all the players to do the skill skills competitions and all that stuff. But then when it comes down to actual football, like this, I would have been watching football, regardless whether it's Detroit or not, there is something on the line and it's going to be entertaining because it's going to be a legitimate football game. So from an enter, from an entertainment perspective, why not? But um, yeah, when they talk about the uh, pro bowl, uh, voting and stuff like that, and how many Pro Bowls you got. Uh, I think those numbers would drastically go down moving <laughs> forward, obviously, other than the skills types players. But yeah, at least uh, at least we'd be entertained and have an extra week of football, and maybe our wives would be pissed off at us because we've been the TV a little bit more this week. But, but uh, you know, yeah, it's it's not it's not worth much watch there, Armin. What do you figure? Well, like the injury side of things, it is relevant, but yet it it is kind of irrelevant because these guys are going to be going out. They're going to be training all the time. Right. If you just think of like playing a flag football game as training, like you're just as high a risk as going out and training. Right. Um, I was thinking, you know what, how in the NHL, they did like a three on three tournament that one year. If they, they still do like, that like that. Oh yeah. Okay. So maybe they moved to something like that with flag, right? Like a seven on seven tournament maybe even like divided amongst the divisions within each conference or something. You could and have then, like a North team, a South team, an East team and a West team where the AFC North two teams combined together and the yeah. AFC and the NFC South combined together. And it could be if there are four teams, you know, you could, then you're having a little bit of camaraderie amongst the leagues. And I don't know. Yeah, that would be, that'd be fun, I think. And then do it seven on seven short games that aren't very long either kind of thing. And, make it so that the you need to have a lineman or two on the field at a time kind of thing, just like co-ed football, flag football, where you need two or three girls on the field. Yeah, I like it. I like it. I could be sold on that too. And you only get so many possessions, so you it start right in the red zone. You can make it as, as entertaining as possible. Oh, you know, yeah. where there's just the – yeah. Make it so people want to watch. That's the whole That's the whole thing. Yeah. I, can only, I can only imagine looking what their actual viewership was. I can't imagine <laughs> it was anything spectacular. Just friends and family. Yeah. But uh, social media was a buzz on it. That's for sure. Like people are still talking about it, even though they weren't watching it. There's still lots of people talking about it. But speaking of social media, you want to take this one, Zach? Sure. So this is something that I saw for the first time this morning. And it's it's more hearsay than anything. Um, but it appears as if at the moment, at least Kyler Murray has removed all posts Uh showing any connection to the Arizona Cardinals. He has also unfollowed the Arizona Cardinals on all of the, or all of his social media platforms. Um, if you are 35 or above, you're probably like, what the heck does this matter? But for the younger crowd out there, 
Um, this is a bigger deal, I suppose. Um, it could be making a whole lot of nonsense out of nothing, or this could be the, uh, the start of something bigger to come. So who knows at the moment what this means, um, but it is possibly something to watch going forward into the offseason. An offseason that I think will have a lot of QB movement in it. And this could be possibly one of, if not the biggest uh, QBs to move, considering his age and his talents. That's going to be the smallest stature-wise. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the biggest move, but the smallest body. <laughs> that's going to be our, uh, that's gonna be our I, I think, motto of the offseason there, Zach, making something out of nothing here come, come the end of football season. We're going to be doing a lot of speculating and rumor mills and, and conversations along those, those lines of who could end up where. And I'm looking forward to every minute of it, but that's, um, that's the, where you can get the inside scoops and stuff like that, because like it's, we've seen lots of professional athletes do that where, where they kind of just almost, I don't know, you want to call them ghosting the league or whatever you're doing. And then all of a sudden you hear that they're unhappy with the organization and then they get dealt or they get cut. Well, not that I'm saying Kyle's going to get cut, but you get unhappy. And then with the, with the amount of quarterbacks that could be moving around, say like a, a Kyler Roger swap, you know, like what is that possible? Very, very much so. And, uh, that doesn't solve everybody's cap issues. Maybe not. But when you look at the amount of movement that could happen from quarterbacks, well, that's, that's possible because he's still on a rookie contract for two more years. Correct. Uh, I think what, I think this was his third year. So yeah. Yeah. One more year and than then the, the fifth year option. The fifth year option is like a substantial pay raise, but still less than what he'll make in year six. Yeah, absolutely. Forward. So as a team like that's, for example, uh, a Packers that could franchise tag Adams, you got Aaron Jones there, you got the building blocks, you could swap Rogers for, for Kyler, and then you don't have to pay him much and that might help solve your cap problems. Am I saying that's going to happen? Probably unlikely. But that's the kind of numbers type thing that could end up possibly making the switch where you got D hop who's on the ladder end of his career here. You got JJ Watt, Zach Ertz, you got some of these old veteran perspectives and maybe you want the quarterback to get you over the hump. Who, who knows? Right. We're just throwing out rumors and hope it sticks, I guess here at this point, but <laughs> very reckless speculation at this point. <laughs> exactly. That's the, that's another motto of the off season. I think, <laughs> um, Speaking of uh, speaking of off season here, uh, as we progress into the off season, at least the fantasy off season, we uh, on the last episode we looked at the 306 Fantasy Football Awards and the nominations for those awards. We posted those all to our social media, and thank you very much for those of you that uh, contributed to our social media and uh, voting of those specific players. Actually, we got quite a good feedback uh, throughout all six awards. So, um, so I guess. Uh, no holding back here. I'm also go through each award, the nominees, and of course the winner here. So our very first one, uh, Armin Schellenberg will be reading out the winner of this award. All right. The first award is the biggest bust. And to remind you all who the nominees were, it was running back from the New York Giants, Saquon Barkley, ADP of 108, eighth RB off the board in most leagues, and he finished RB 32. Uh, next nomination was Allen Robinson, a wide receiver for the Chicago Bears. His ADP was 306, and he was generally the 11th wide receiver off the board on average. He finished the year down at wide receiver 88. 
Third, we have Darren Waller, his ADP, or tight end for the Las Vegas Raiders. His ADP was 2.11. He was being drafted as the second tight end off the board, and he finished as tight end 17. DeAndre Hopkins, wide receiver, Arizona Cardinals, ADP of 206. He was the fifth wide receiver off the board generally, and you have to go real far down um, to find his name on the uh on how well he ranked on the season and the winner of this year's biggest bust goes to none other than alan robinson um you know that's uh that's who i voted for i think it was kind of the name value there along with just he played most of the season and just did not produce um that is why i would have voted um where why i voted for him on that um compared to the other guys like saquon coming back from a big injury um kind of in and out of the lineup and not really getting full playing time darren waller when he played he was good um but he was injured a lot during the season and then deandre hopkins didn't really play much yeah alan robinson's where my vote went to he just he had such high expectations and he's a guy that was just seemingly bust proof you know he He's never had a good quarterback. So you just you would just expect that he's going to be good. He's never he may not may not get those big boom weeks like you always want, but he's not going to sink your ship by any means. And uh I think we were proven wrong in a big way this uh this season in, in yeah. that regards. I think it was uh the emergence of Daryl Mooney. Um, not a lot of people thought he would take as much out away from Robinson as uh as he did throughout the season there. And he, uh, I think, I think Mooney ended up finishing as a as a wide receiver two, or maybe just a, a low end wide receiver three, maybe. But yeah, he he bit into bit into it a lot, and unfortunately, just with the amount of quarterback changes they had, there was just there was almost no consistency either. So tough tough year for all of those uh, nominees, but especially Allen Robinson, where uh, our listeners felt uh, felt the burn of Allen Robinson the most, I think. I think you nailed it on the head, both you guys. Uh, Darnell Mooney finished as the wide receiver 24. So good for a wide receiver two in half point PPR leagues. And the trait that really stands out was the 140 targets that he received um, at the start of the season. If you would have told me that a Chicago bear wide receiver was going to finish as a wide receiver two with uh 140 targets, good for 11th in the league. Um, I would have said that is 100% uh, Allen Robinson. Um, but uh, it was the second-year receiver, so um, definitely some chemistry between him and the quarterbacks that uh, Robinson didn't seem to have. But we also got to keep in mind Robinson was playing on the franchise tag and it seemed like he made it pretty well known early on in the off season last year that he did not want to be there from what I can recall. Oh, yeah. So wouldn't be surprised if we have seen the last of him in Chicago. Yeah, you're, uh, you're definitely correct there, Zach. Speaking of, do you want to uh, take away our next award, Zach? Sure thing. So this is the waiver wire stud. And this is somebody that was most likely undrafted uh, in your league at the start of the year, or maybe he was drafted, but then was dropped at the start of the regular season. Uh, when 
to pick up a defense or a kicker or something along those lines. Uh, the nominees were Elijah Mitchell, running back for the 49ers, uh, Cordell Patterson, running back slash wide receiver for the Falcons, uh, Dalton Schultz, tight end for the Cowboys, Hunter Renfro, wide receiver for the Raiders. Uh, and the winner of this reward, or the winner of this award, pardon me, was Cordell Patterson. Um, not exactly a huge shock to me, um, but Jordan, you were saying that it was almost unanimous that Cordell Patterson won this reward or won this award and that uh, Mitchell, who I thought might sneak in, um, received very little uh, recognition. Hey. Yeah, he, it was kind of uh, even amongst the other three and then Cordell kind of took the runaway. But uh, personally, I, I actually voted for Hunter Renfro, who I think was was very, very sneaky in the sense that once again, like you mentioned, Zach, maybe drafted, maybe um, more than likely not, but then picked up and was very, very consistent with huge production, especially if you played in any sort of PPR formats. Obviously, uh, we focus predominantly on the half point PPR here on this podcast, but he finished as a, a wide receiver one. I think he was the 10th overall or 11th overall wide receiver on the season uh, to be able to just pick that up off the waiver wire is pretty incredible. Um, obviously trying to find a running back is, is very, very difficult within fantasy seasons, but being able to just pluck a wide receiver one off the waiver wires and somebody that you can confidently play all season, um, didn't really have many bus weeks to be honest. So, uh, he ended up getting my vote. Not that I think pe the people were wrong by voting Cordell Patterson. <laughs> he was obviously very incredible this season, but he had the huge, huge week winning type performances, which I think sticks in the minds of people a lot mm -hmm. more than just steady Eddie, right? Renfro was the wide receiver 11 and half point leagues, uh, putting up 12.2 points per game. Uh, so just, uh, just inside the typical wide receiver one uh, ballpark, which is uh, top 12 receivers. And then Patterson finished as wide or running back nine on the season. Uh, so again, running back one material, uh, putting up 13 points per game. Um, interestingly enough, Mitchell finished uh, as the running back 25 on the season, uh, all the while putting up the same exact 13 points per game that Patterson did. He just missed uh, a few games towards the middle and end of the year, whereas Patterson was involved throughout the entire season. So I think availability might have also been – uh, a key determinant in this uh, in this vote. Yeah, I uh, I think I definitely agree with you on that one. Where uh, where I went was uh, I went opposite all you guys. You guys aren't talking about Schultz enough, who finished tight end three and wasn't even projected to be the starting tight end for Dallas at the beginning of the season. I I had him in a league and he I was worried that I wouldn't have a good tight end. This was a, a dynasty league. And he ended up pulling through for me and he gave me what I needed all season long. And he, again, was a steady Eddie. He didn't put up huge games, but he, he always produced for me. I got to give you credit there, Armin. I remember we were on the golf course and you were just either just wrapping up or in the middle of the uh, dispersal draft. And you were talking about Dalton Schultz in comparison to, uh, oh, what's the other tight end there? Um, Darwin. Darwin. And I said, you know, I, I, I know Schultz had a great year last year, but it's because of injury. Once he's back, I think he's going to take over. And he said, yeah, you know, but I think it's worth the gamble. 
uh, he had a good year. He could, he could reproduce again. And, um, and you, uh, you were definitely right. Cause man, he, he produced in a big way of finishing that tight end three. So I got to give you the tip of the cap there. I actually forgot about that until <laughs> kind of digging through some of the stuff. I was like, man, who was telling me that, that Jarwin couldn't, that or sorry, that uh, Schultz could do it again. And I was like, Oh, I have his arm. And so better give him some credit where credit's due on that one. Well, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> uh, Dalton Schultz wider or tight end three on the season, Blake Jarwin tight end 60, um, without looking at his game log. um, I would imagine that he wasn't active in all the games. Yeah. He missed for week nine on. So you definitely made the right call there. Obviously um, what is interesting, I think is what's going to happen with Dalton Schultz. He is a free agent this off season. Um, Is some team going to come and give him the bag and bring him aboard? as their undisputed tight end or will he elect to stay with the Cowboys uh, stick with what you know, and maybe look to be a bigger an even bigger part of the offense in the event that uh, Gallup and potentially Cooper move on to other teams. And to be honest, if he resigns Schultz to the moon, because that's a team that loves the tight end. That was why yeah. people were so high on Jarwin because he wasn't a big name, and it was a team that loved the tight end position and really targeted the tight end a lot more in comparison, but you're taking a big shot on an unproven uh, commodity. Now, Schultz, a uh, proven commodity, if he resigns in an organization that really likes targeting a tight end, uh, I think he's going to be a guy that's going to be highly, highly drafted this upcoming season, especially obviously putting up a tight end three. <laughs> he showed be, it now for two seasons, right? So. Yeah, he definitely will not be in the uh, waiver wire stud candidate next year, that's for sure. <laughs> Uh, our next uh, award here, uh, I'll take care of. It's the uh, biggest week, the biggest performance of the year. And uh, the candidates or the nominees here for this award was Jonathan Taylor, the running back uh, from the Indianapolis Colts in week 11, where he put up 51.9 points. Uh, we have Jamar Chase, rookie wide receiver from the Cincinnati Bengals, who put up in championship week number 17, 50.1 points. We have Joel Burrow, his counterpart, uh, quarterback of the Cincinnati Bengals in week 16, the semifinal week. He put up 46.1 points. And then we also have Travis Kelsey, uh, the tight end for the Kansas City Chiefs, who in the quarterfinal matchup of week 15 put up 41.1 fantasy points. Uh, So this one actually was a really close two-horse race, uh, but the winner uh, by... I would say a margin, I think of three, if I remember correctly, of three votes was Jamar Chase, the rookie wide receiver from the Cincinnati Bengals. So in that week 17, uh, a lot of votes, people put the names and they put a little two cents comment in there, but it was just the being able to put that production up when it mattered the most. I know in, in the hint, in the, in the, I guess in the sense of the regular season for NFL players, week 17 to week 11, isn't much of a difference other than teams making a push on the playoff stretch. But for us as fantasy players, that's when the points matter the most. Week 11, okay, this is a a regular matchup. But week 17, everything's on the line. He's your stud. And when he goes boom, you pretty well won your championship if you had him in your starting lineup. So Jamar Chase, in that week, uh, he had 11 receptions, 263 yards, and three TDs for 50.1 points. And I remember correctly, it's top five most half point PPR points by a wide receiver in modern score history for, uh, for fantasy football, which 
is incredible. Uh, we've talked a ton about the Cincinnati Bengals and how young they are, how exciting it's going to be to watch this young dynamic duo or trio, I guess you can say, between Jamar Chase, Joe Burrow, and obviously not forgetting about T. Higgins and his huge week he put up in week 16 as well, too. So that's going to be a lot of fun to watch these guys. But um, Jamar Chase put up in a big way when it mattered most for us fantasy folk, and that was in week 17 of the championship. So he takes home the hardware for the biggest week. Even though it wasn't numerically the highest score, it felt the biggest, especially for us fantasy people. So that is, I, I would imagine, why Jamar Chase is taking home this hardware. Yeah, I don't know how you right. guys feel about that. I, I find it interesting. Um, of course, in order to benefit from that big uh, championship weekend output from Chase, he had to be in the championship game, right? Whereas everybody that had Jonathan Taylor was able to benefit from that boom of a week. Whereas it'd be interesting to see what the percentage of Jamar Chase teams were, were in the finals. Well, he had a huge week 16 as well, too. So I think as long as you made it out of the quarterfinal, there's a good chance that you probably had him in the final because that was that game where Joe Burrow went nuclear. A, yeah, yeah. But you know, I, I understand what you're saying. Where if you were the owner, whether you're in the finals or not, it's week 11. You 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 felt the win, and um, I ended up voting JT. Um, I had JT on a few rosters. He single-handedly won the week because that was a Thursday, and on the Thursday I kind of had a good chuckle, had some wings, and realized I won the week no problem after putting up a performance like that. Um, and I should, if I remember correctly. That was the week that we were focusing on him as our uh, Canadian player profile by sell, if I remember correctly. And um, I actually think if I remember this, this whole story correctly, Armin and I were coaching football. We got in the truck after it was all said and done, looked at the phone. I was like, holy man, JT's having a night against the Jets and absolutely smashing. So I felt that week in a big way in multiple perspectives and helped win, uh, helped win a few different ways. So that's, that's where I went with it. Not to take anything away from obviously Chase's performance, but I just felt the impact of JT more than I felt the impact of Chase. So my, my sympathy went to that vote. Absolutely. Something similar to that happened um, with, with Travis Kelsey. I was in a, a guillotine league and I had Kelsey as my tight end and things were going good. I blew my entire fab budget. I had a really strong team, I thought. And then um, going to week 14, and Kelsey puts up a stinker, 4.2 points. Um, that was one of the first weekends where Lamar Jackson was out. That was my quarterback. Um, so I, I had my QB2 in there, who was good but not great. Um, and I, I was eliminated from the league that weekend in large part because my tight end put up a super low score. And then salt in the wound. 15, yeah. when I'm out – he goes bananas. So OT having, the, having that, uh, having the availability uh, to be there for you, I think is another, uh, another thing to think about. Whereas I just don't know if everybody had chase. Yeah. Armin, Armin, you voted chase, didn't you? Yeah. I voted chase because of the week 17. And then also I took into consideration that, uh, his big week 
could be compounded by other players around him. Jonathan Taylor, if you had him, you probably took him first round. So that that payoff isn't as big as Jamar Chase having a big week when you probably took him. Where was he going this year even? Like third, uh, fourth fifth, round? Fifth round, if I'm not mistaken. Middle, fifth round. Okay, middle, fifth round. So you had four guys that you drafted above him in your in your team. So that week you would have had a really strong team, hopefully, because you're – you had four guys that were drafted ahead of him. So I, I just kind of took into that perspective as well when I voted. For sure. Yeah, that's an interesting perspective. Something that I didn't even, didn't even consider, to be honest. Um, do you want to take this next one, Armin, the Playoff Hero Award? You betcha. Here we go. Playoff Hero. Um, first nomination was Rashad Penny, running back for the Seattle Seahawks. My guy. RB number 42 number nine and then number one in the finals um next up was amon ray st brown wide receiver detroit lions he was wide receiver six wide receiver seven and then number two in the finals um the third nomination is joe burrow qb for the cincinnati Bengals. he was qb 17 then qb1 qb1 sign or consecutive weeks in a row um, and then lastly, we have Mark Andrews, tight end for Baltimore. Baltimore, He was tight end two, tight end one, tight end three throughout the playoffs. So all really good performances throughout the playoffs. Um, and the winner for this one is Amon Ray St. Brown. Let's go. Detroit Lions. Um, this one, I, I even had to vote for St. Brown, actually, I think, on this one. Um, I, I wanted Penny to win it, but I just knew, um, you know, you, you look at the impact that he had in those last weeks, it was consistent. And um, his six and seven, like wide receiver six and wide receiver seven weeks, it wasn't like those were low weeks either. Like, I think that wide receiver six week, didn't he still put up like 20 points? I think it was even north of that. Let me try and pull this up here. Okay. And then wide receiver seven week, he was in the teens, but still decent week. And then wide receiver two week, he went off again. Um, so it, it made sense that he was a waiver wire pickup for the playoffs and he produced when, when it counted um, and produced consistently throughout the whole playoffs. Whereas you look at Rashad Penny and Joe Burrow, um, that 42 and 17 week, um, you might not have got through the quarterfinals if you did happen to get through the quarterfinals with them, then they did help you in the, in the rest of the playoffs, but uh, you didn't get the whole playoffs from him. And then Mark Andrews, the investment in him was as a tight end one or two on the season, or he might've even been drafted tight end three in some leagues. Right. But uh, you, it was kind of what you expected. And it's not like he went completely nuclear throughout the playoffs. That uh, he ended up putting 19.5, 21.5, and then week 17, he went absolutely bananas. I think it was like 31 or something like that. Let me pull it up here if I can. That was St. Brown? Yeah. Yeah. So it, it makes sense. It all makes sense. Let's see. Uh, he, 31. Once again, he's a guy that, by the most, by, by all counts, these guys were like, didn't cost you much. That's what was something I put in consideration. Like Joe Burrow. Okay, maybe he costed you a later round pick, but he wasn't a highly drafted quarterback. Mark Andrews costed you a little bit more 
Um, and also it wasn't that much harder to put up those numbers. So that's why he was maybe outside looking in for me, but I think this was a two horse race and it was by the votes was Rashad Penny, Amonra St. Brown, Amonra won by, by a significant margin, but those two ate up most of the, the votes. It was just Amonra St. Brown costed you nothing. And you picked him up off waivers quite possibly week 10, week 11, right? Like it was deep into the season when you picked him up. And if you did, uh, you, it helped you in a big way. So I voted for him, even though I do owe him on a public apology here. Cause I said it once, I said it again, I benched him in week 17 and it made my championship <laughs> weekend a, a little bit more interesting. I had, I, I've talked about in the pod lots in that dynasty. I have a plethora of very talented wide receivers and I put my eggs in the Antonio Brown basket on speculation of, of contract bonuses, et cetera. And Amonra definitely uh, <laughs> took that one to heart, I think, by putting up his, one of his best weeks of his career. So um, I, that's where my vote went. Got it. And it wasn't even a, wasn't even a homer vote by any means I was voting for the line, but it was just the fact that he actually did help me get to the finals and should have helped me win a championship too. So <laughs> that's where my vote went. Uh, next one, we got the uh, draft day sleeper. Zach, you want to take care of this one? Sure thing. So the, the first award that I introduced was the waiver wire stud, and this is now the draft day sleeper. Um, both awards have some similarities as both, um, a group of nominees were guys that were underappreciated that, uh, eventually became stalwarts of your, of your weekly starting lineup. Uh, the nominees for this season's draft day sleeper are Leonard Fournette, who had an ADP of 8.02. James Conner, ADP of 9.02. Debo Samuel, an ADP of 7.10. And Cooper Cup, an ADP of 4.09. And the winner of the draft day sleeper was Debo Samuel, wide receiver and, fingers crossed, future running back of the 49ers. (laughs) Come Um, on, MFL. (laughs) Yeah, no kidding. Um, I think what... uh, pushed Samuel here over the top is the big uh, difference in the ADP um, between him and Cooper Cup. Um, Looking at the stats, it's pretty easy to see that Cooper Cup had a significantly better season um, than Debo Samuel, and that's no shade on Debo. Debo had a great year, Um, but going, you know, three rounds after Cooper Cup and putting up not maybe not a comparable season, but a very respectable season in comparison. Um, I think that's what pushed Debo Samuel uh, ahead in this category. Um, I think a lot of people that are listening, you guys can probably guess who the fantasy MVP is and Debo Samuel winning this award. It feels like at like a high school athletic banquet where the second best player had to get an award. The coach wasn't going to let it slide. And he's like the hardest working team spirit. I don't know, but I just got to get this other guy an award. (laughs) Yeah. The, I just made this up three days ago so I can make him have some hardware award. (laughs) Exactly. Can't give, can't give QB one, all the, the, all the awards, the (laughs) RB one needs something. Yeah. Award. And the thing is here with Debo, like if Cooper cup wouldn't have had that, dynamite season that he did um 
Debo's season was probably a season that most years would probably put him at wide receiver one, right? Um, it was a phenomenal season. And then also like with Cooper Cup and, and Robert Woods, we knew one of them was going to be the beneficiary of having Matt Stafford there. Um, and it happened to be Cup, mostly because Woods got injured. But, uh, I mean, Cup was going off before Woods got injured even. so. I remember seeing before the season even started, um, there was a Twitter thread that was going on was people are talking about who could be the next Stephon Diggs. You know, were you making the the team change to maybe uh, uh, there's a bit of uncertainty uh, with the change of qu- quarterback or a change of uh, new scenery. So who can make that big next step and become the elite wide receiver kind of like Stefan Diggs did. And um, there was a lot of people that was Robert Woods, Robert Woods. That's going to be Robert Woods. He's been a target hog. He's been unappreciated most of his season. Uh, he's, he doesn't get a lot of touchdowns, but he's always steady. And there's a few people that mentioned a Cooper cup. So it's kind of funny that you mentioned that now, Armin, because if hindsight's always 2020, you look back and it's like the writing was on the wall. All we had to do was just speculate that Matthew Stafford, the likes to throw the ball. He's a good quarterback. It's going to be a good offense. He's a big body receiver. He's done this before with Jerry Goff. It's going to be him, but it just, we just completely overlooked that and went to the steady Eddie target hog. And, and uh, I think a lot of us analysis type people or fantasy participants were, were wrong in a big way. And if you got a, if you got lucky enough to take Cooper cup in that, that fourth, fifth round, then you were definitely relishing a lot of championships. Like I could imagine. Got an interesting question for the two of you. Uh, first of all, do either of you have any stacked website open on your computer? Stacked website? Yeah, like where you can see the stats of the players. Oh, I do. Yeah. Okay. Just like exit off that window or whatever so you guys can't cheat. Okay. I'll just, there we go. All righty. So, how many receiving touchdowns did Debo Samuel have? It's less think, than 10. Yeah, I was going to say, I think it's like six or something like that, isn't it? I was going to say like five. So he had six receiving touchdowns. Bingo. Uh, now, how many rushing touchdowns it was did Debo like Samuel have? It was 10. like 11. Armand? 10. It was eight. This man had eight rushing touchdowns. Yeah, he's got to get the RB take. The next closest running back or sorry, receiver is a tie between like a handful of guys that had one guys like Jalen Waddle, Chris Godwin, uh, shoot Darnell Mooney. Where they were either the backwards pass or they have the jet motion or something. Yeah. Where likely that jet motion. Yeah. Tyree kill Um, probably looking at the stats. It's, uh, are the receiving yards between cup and Samuel. It's, it's more than 500 yards of difference. Uh, Cup had nearly 2,000. He had 1947, and Samuel had 1,405. But looking at uh, Samuel's rushing yards, 365, that gets him really close there in total yards. But um, gosh, that's, I find that really interesting how a guy like Samuel can impact the game in so many facets. And it's the, the, the crazy part is like Armin hit the nail on the head. If we're not talking about Cooper cup, Debo Samuel is just lights and bounds ahead of this. Like I, I still think another good, like these are all prime candidates and Cooper cup would probably be the outside looking in other than the fact that he was one like one one on the season. 
um, which is crazy to think that you got him in the fourth round. If you look at like Debo Samuel, the seventh, that's incredible. Almost eighth round is incredible value. James Conner, the season he had in the ninth round. Leonard Fournette, if he didn't get hurt, I think he would have won a lot of championships. Getting him in the eighth, like some of these guys are just incredible value. So even though Debo Samuel ran away with this one, there is still a lot of valuable picks, I think. <laughs> and guys that definitely could have uh, earned this award for sure. Um, I will take the final one here. And we have the, the final major award. Zach kind of mentioned the last time there, the fantasy MVP. So who is the most valuable player? Uh, to your team that uh, was the most important. If you didn't have them, you probably didn't win your championship. And the nominees are Cooper Cup, who finished as the wide receiver one, averaging 21.6 points per game. Jonathan Taylor, the RB1 on the season, averaging 20.8 points per game. Uh, Debo Samuel, the wide receiver two on the season, finishing with uh, an average of 18.8 points per game, but obviously putting in consideration the draft capital in there as well. And then Mark Andrews, tight end one, averaging 14.6 points per game. Uh, this one wasn't even close. Uh, Jonathan Taylor got a lot of love from a lot of people. I think that was the one where if you had him, you felt the, that he carried your team, but uh, it wasn't close in the fact that majority of the votes came and voted for Cooper Cup as the NFL, or and sorry, fantasy MVP. Uh, this one, I don't think it's a competition. Uh, the writing's kind of on the wall. He won the triple crown, just about broke the records for, uh, the receiving statistics he had an unbelievable season and if you take into consideration where if you eliminate strictly strictly his touchdowns he would have been the wide receiver three on the season so that is an unbelievable statistic in itself um, you look at his numbers on the year um, he would have finished as the fifth best player in fantasy football that's including quarterbacks running backs any positions uh, he finishes just behind Josh Allen, Justin Herbert, Tom Brady, and Patrick Mahomes. And then sitting there at number five is Cooper Cup, number six, Jonathan Taylor. And then after that is another thread of quarterbacks. Uh, Josh Allen finishes with an average of 24.6 points per game, then 23.3, 22.8, 22.0, and then Cooper Cup at 21.6. So averaging just only three points behind the number one player, which is a quarterback who historically dominates the fantasy points and will continuously dominate fantasy points. So that just putting in perspective, the incredible season that Cooper cup had uh, one for the record books and literally just about breaking the record books. So Cooper cup unanimously winning the three Oh six fantasy football MVP award of the 2021 season. You, it's, uh, yeah, not it's much hard to argue there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, like, it's, it's really hard to argue. I think what is interesting to argue is does he have a a fighter's chance at being the NFL MVP? Well, the, here's the here's the thing that I always kind of I want to say argue, but it's it's the writing on the wall. Who throws the ball to the to the wide receiver? It's always the quarterback. So it's always a quarterback that's going to win MVP usually, or the running back that carries a lot of the load, right? But it's it's very difficult for a wide receiver to win the MVP because usually the quarterback would be in consideration, but with the up and down season Stafford had, there's no chance he's going to win the MVP, which leaves the door cracked open for Cooper cup to possibly do it. Right. And you look at the numbers he put up, I think it's, it's definitely worth arguing that he did JT's names being thrown around, but at the end of the day, the MVP award is a quarterback award. And I think a quarterback is going to take it. Uh, if I had to bet, it's going to be Aaron Rodgers going back to back. 
Um, you can throw Tom Brady's name in the mix, especially might get some sympathy votes here with him retiring. Who knows? But uh, it's a quarterback award. As much as I'd love to see Cooper Cup get it, I just think it's unlikely. There hasn't been a winner or a non-QB winner. Since that Adrian is Peterson, wasn't it? Since Peterson in 2013. Yeah. And before that, you have to go back to 2006. LT, LT when he had the record-breaking year. And then actually running backs went back to back. Uh, 05 with was Sean Alexander, who also had an outstanding season that year. But then after that, it's a slew of uh, quarterbacks until 2000, Marshall Falk, uh, 98, Terrell Davis, 97, Barry Sanders, uh, 93, Emmett Smith. So in my lifetime, there's been six non-QB uh, NFL MVPs. I'm hot on the I'm hot on the stats here. I'm 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 in your brain there, Zach. You're you're throwing them out, and I'm hitting names of the park. I'm usually usually zero for six. We look back at some of our off season games. Don't look at my record because it's not very good. But feeling hot tonight, here, boys. It must be a Super Bowl week in me or something. I don't there you know. go. Buy yourself a, a lotto ticket or something. Yeah, talking about buying yourself a lotto ticket. Uh, the odds aren't great, but if you find yourself down at Limitless Gear. It's 100% guarantee you're going to appreciate the product you're walking out with there. So we talked about a lot. That's a good one. You like that one? <laughs> I, I got to keep getting better and better here. Some of them are getting pretty weak. So I figured I might as well crush one of the park here. Zach teed me up good too. So <laughs> talking, we talked them up on the pod enough here. Uh, the, the product speaks for himself. I'm wearing the hoodie today. And even underneath there, the boys on the webcam can see I even got a t shirt underneath Ooh, the hoodie. So double up. I, I double dipped this week. So um the product speaks for itself you guys and if you're coming down to see the boys here during the 306 um super bowl watch party hosted by uh the rock trout uh event center you might as well take another 15 steps down central ave and say hello say hello to cody at limitless gear buy yourself a hoodie buy yourself a hat and uh, be able to support limitless gear while you're down uh, uh supporting the 306 community during the super bowl party so it's a brand about bettering yourself and believing that possibilities are endless if you set your mind to it and uh and i'll tell you like i mentioned already 100 guarantee because that product is unbelievable um you know, i'm gonna be uh wearing my limitless stuff to the the super bowl watch party because i don't have any team's investment in this game so might as well wear limitless I'm having a hard time figuring it out because I was going to wear my 306 fantasy football hoodie, I think. And then I was going to wear my limitless hat. But I'm like, man, how do I not wear my Lions hat and go all the way on Stafford here? So <laughs> I, I've got to catch 22 here. So maybe I might wear the limitless gear hoodie with the Stafford hat and and just then throw 306 go. out the out the window here. Maybe I don't know. <laughs> I, got a good, I got a good little limitless gear story for you guys. So you guys are always talking about how you, you can't throw a rock in Prince Albert without hitting somebody wearing a Limitless Gear sweater or t-shirt or whatever. Um, at the moment, that's not quite the same reality here in Saskatoon. Um, not quite as popular yet in Saskatoon, but it's growing, I think. I hope it's growing at least. Um, but the other day I was at Walmart uh, in the evening buying some... Uh, school supplies for an art project the next day and I'm kind of out of it walking down the uh the aisles and got my little earbuds in listening to a podcast or whatever and I have my uh, my flannel jacket on and underneath I got a 
it's actually that same sweater Jordan that you're wearing, that green one. It's a nice one. Oh, it's really nice. Yep. And uh, I see somebody walking towards me and I see underneath her coat that she has that same one on. So I get excited and I'm like, nice sweater, but I got my headphones in. So I may have said it a little bit louder than <laughs> I intended to. And she like, she stops and she looks very surprised because there's this total stranger yelling at her at like 10 <laughs> o'clock in a Walmart. And then to make matters worse, I, uh, I rip open my, my flannel and the snap buttons to like show her that I have the same hoodie on. She's probably thinking this total jerks, like about to expose himself <laughs> in the freaking yarn aisle of uh, Walmart. And no, you're just like, no, it's the sweater. I swear. I just want to show you my sweater. Yeah. You know, that was probably the most PA thing you could have done though in that yeah. situation. Yeah. Half expose yourself at Walmart. <laughs> <laughs> Unbelievable. <Bye>. Hey, and <laughs> What podcast were you listening to? Because I'm curious if you were listening to yourself walking down the aisles of Walmart. There. Oh no, that is some whew, that is some hubris if I've ever heard of one. Um, I was listening to uh, the newest Olympian. It is a podcast uh, where the podcast person is reading the Percy Jackson novels for the first time, and he's talking about the uh, the Greek mythology aspects and of a children's book. Um, I grew up reading the Percy Jackson novels, so I am very hooked on this podcast. I'm very surprised it was not a sports-related uh, attribute there, Zach. No, my uh, my Mondays are dedicated to the newest Olympian. They drop on like Sunday evening. So wake up on Sunday, or sorry, wake up on Monday, listen to the first half before work, and then I'll usually listen to the second half when I'm doing schoolwork after work on Mondays. Good on you. I'm a, I was used to be really big into history podcasts too. Now, obviously football season, football podcasts kind of take over the, uh, take over the timeline, but come summertime, I get back into it. But speaking of uh, football season, we got one left here, folks. It's the super bowl. It's the big one. So we got our playoff pick comes here. Rams four versus Cincinnati four. the first time a four seed has ever taken on a four seed in the super bowl. A little fun fact for you there at home. Um, we're going to be guessing who we think is going to win and the score. So I've been keeping true to my bracket and I've been keeping true to my preseason picks. So I can't change it now. I got to go with my boy, Matty staff. Uh, I'm going to take the Rams to win the super bowl. That's why I had to start the season. That's why I have my, in my bracket and in my bracket, I chose 45. I don't know why I liked the number. Um, it's the under, I never, ever cheer for the under which sucks because uh, I think the over-under was set at 48 and a half and I have it set at 45. So I guess it's pretty close to that number. Uh, so keeping in the 45 um, truth, I guess, stick into the bracket. I'm going to stick with that 45 total and I'm going to take the Rams 28-17. Um, I think it's going to be a really fun game. I think it's kind of going to be very similar to that, uh, to the Rams-San Francisco game where I think it's going to start off a little bit on the slower side. And then it's just going to pick up in a big way. Um, I wouldn't be surprised, honestly, if there's a defensive touchdown in there. Uh, we're going to get down to our uh, our lineups here in a little bit for our Super Bowl DFS. I tried to get the defense in there. I was very, uh, I was very interested in taking that because with the amount of sacks that uh, Cincinnati might be giving up with that offensive line in, in in comparison to the defensive line on the other end of the line of scrimmage, this might be a fun one. But 28-17, 
I'm taking the under. I hate it, but I'm going to go 28-17 Rams victorious. Armand? All right. Uh, to be a little contrarian here, I decided to pick uh, Cincinnati um, with a 38-36 score. So I'm, I'm wanting it to be close, so I'm going to say it's going to be close here. Um, I think if Cincinnati wins, it's going to be close. Um, they're not going to blow the Rams out of the water. Um, and it's going to be a, be a shootout. And so the only plausible way for Cincinnati to win is that way. So that's what I have to pick if I want Cincinnati to win. Um, you know, the Rams have looked solid. They are a team built for this game. Um, but uh, Cincinnati has Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase, and they got some swag, McPherson, like that. That swag is an intangible that uh, cannot be recreated. Um, it's hard to find, and you know it could be what uh, what brings the Super Bowl to to Ohio this year. Oh man, you don't say that, Armand. Don't say that. <laughs> Uh, Zach, who do you got? Well, first of all, Armin, your your uh, your score prediction here. If by some stroke of a miracle you nail this on the head, <laughs> I gotta switch my DFS lineup right now, and I gotta get Matt Gay, kicker for the Rams, in my lineup. Just doing some math in my head. One plausible score combination is three touchdowns with three extra points, and then fifteen points off field goals my boy matt gay with five field goals would be a steal in the D dfs world he hasn't been close on some 45ers so i would not be putting my eggs <laughs> in that basket <laughs> um so my, my score prediction for the game here i'm taking the rounds 31 over cincinnati with 27 so final score 31 27 for the rams uh, but I do have to preface this, or I guess follow this up with, I am cheering for the Bengals. Um, I do think having, uh, I just want to see Joe Burrow smoke the flat, the fattest cigar in the <laughs> locker room after the game. Um, I want to see just smoke coming out of that locker room. He auto recreates that pose that he did after the national championship. Legs crossed, leaning back. He's, he's going to recreate 100%, 100%. that. 100%. Um, but, uh, I think with the exception of the wild card round, I have picked against the, the Bengals. So I got to continue picking against them all the while cheering for the Bengals to win a little reverse psychology action. In there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm not, a, I'm not superstitious, but I am a little, a, a little stitious. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. I, uh, I'll be honest. If Matt Stafford wins, I'm crying. Like you're gonna see me at Rock Trout Event Center shedding a little bit of tear, choking back, choking back a sob. If they lose, I'm gonna be angry crying. I think so. If you're coming to watch, you might see some some tears in action because oh man, this has been a fun ride. And it was so funny. Somebody called me the other day a bandwagon jumper. I'm like, no, let's let's set this straight here. I'm not a Rams fan. Like I do, I do follow the Rams. I, I like them. They're a, they're a fun team to pay attention to, and they're fun offense. But I'm a Detroit guy through and through. Here, I'm a Lions fan. If you pay attention to the podcast, you know that. By by every, uh, I don't think we've gone a single episode without having the Detroit Lions take of the, take of the week. But um, <laughs> I just, man, Matt Stafford. You talk about a guy 
that gave his heart to an organization like a dumpster fire of an organization that had next to no business being in any playoff games at, at any rate of his career. Um, like you look back at his rookie season, you watch that uh, play against the Cleveland Browns where he runs about 65 yards without passing the line of scrimmage, just trying to evade tackles, steps up in the pocket, and then absolutely gets crushed, um, destroys his shoulder, can't even lift it up, and then he goes and throws the game-winning touchdown with zeros on the clock. Just a guy that's all heart, and man, I hope he wins. I just hope I hope he wins so bad just, just for him. Just about gets killed by a Cleveland Brown to finish the season two and 14 yeah in his rookie year but yeah all heart all heart and i, I was talking to buddy too and he's uh he's a big denver fan big fan of the podcast too shout out robbie gates he's uh he's cheering for the rams obviously for his bracket too but he's cheering for the rams because he's a big denver fan so obviously the trade in the uh and i read the deadline there he's hoping for you know the little denver connection same thing as i've got the trade with the with uh with the lions so it was actually neat it's matthew stafford's birthday i think was it yesterday or today yesterday yesterday i think i saw that same tweet start the week off with a birthday cake finish it with the super bowl Bowl, yeah so what a week it'll be but i'm i'm throwing this out here before we get into our picks because i was uh i I actually just it just popped in my head one of my favorite super bowl week memories and you'll appreciate this one the best zach um interviewing tom brady during super bowl week when one of the little kids, you know, he's asking him, well, Tom Brady, who's, who's your hero? And then he's sitting there and he goes, you know, my hero's my dad. Because, and he kind of pauses and he gets all choked up and, you know, he gives a little smirk to the head and he's, yeah, my dad. I'm like, oh man, that's, that's probably one of my favorite Super Bowl week memories ever. Like it's, I don't know if that'll ever be beaten. Um, you know, you say what you want about Tom Brady, whether you like him, don't like him just hate him because he's the goat i don't know but that's uh that's as, as genuine as it comes and it just popped my head but I, i'm sure zach you'd appreciate that one obviously as a pats and the tb12 fan goats for goats yeah absolutely um okay final segment here guys dfs it's super bowl sunday edition our final one now just for you folks that are not familiar with dfs um when you play with the big weeks uh, lots of players involved Uh, You also have this opportunity to do in the Thursday night or the Monday night matchups where it's just a single game. And in the single game lineups, you have five positions to fill. You have four flexes and you have what's called your MVP. Now your MVP for every point they get, they actually get 1.5 points in consideration to the actual standard one point. So your MVP gets a little extra bump. So that's the person you think is going to have the biggest week and the most production to put up big points. So we're doing that here, obviously, for the Super Bowl Sunday. Um, Zach is ahead with eight points, then myself with six, and Armin with four. Uh, so we got a two-horse race to see who's spinning the wheel of shame here at the end of the year. Zach's sitting comfortable in his uh, nice chair of first place there, um, but he wants to take the bragging rights home here, so I'm sure he's not putting up a, a stinker of a week by any a stretch of the imagination here. So we'll go Armin first. Uh, he's in last place, and then we'll go myself, and then we'll go Zach. So Armin... You want to read off uh, your MVP first, and then we'll hit off your four flexes. All right. A little bit of a teaser trailer here for y'all. I wanted to find a way to put Joe Burrow and Matthew Stafford both on my team, somehow figure out a way to budget it. And I ended up with neither of them. So (laughs) (laughs) 
We'll see how this goes here. Uh, my MVP, I put uh, Cooper Cup at $16,000. I mean, he's been doing it all season long. Um, and I figured the other guys would probably be thinking that as well. And at least I don't net or I don't have a disadvantage going into this. Um, but you know, he's, uh, he's solid. He's the guy. If he, if he has a bad week, you know, um, no one's going to fault you for betting on him this week. Uh, my flexes now, my first one was Jamar chase for $12,000, um, figured, needed both wide receiver ones if i wasn't going to have the qbs might as well get the guys that get uh the most yardage and uh and gets the touchdowns from them next flex i did uh joe mixon the running back for cincinnati for twelve thousand five hundred. so another big spending um amount here um he's the rb1 there he's the guy who's been getting carries and touches and everything besides one p ryan vaulter touchdown um, but, uh, you know, Mixon is, is solid. He's got a good, good floor for him. And if he scores a touchdown, you know, that's even better. Uh, next up, I decided to go with T Higgins. It was between him and OBJ for this spot. Um, I like Higgins, uh, more explosiveness better than OBJ's OBJ has been a bit touchdown dependent in my mind. Um, since he's become a Ram, he he's produced better as a Ram than he did as a Brown, but, uh, he's been a bit touchdown dependent. So I, I like the idea of Higgins as a, as a big play guy. And, uh, he puts up more yardage, gets a bit more targets kind of thing. And then lastly, I went with a kicker for my last guy. I picked McPherson, the swag man from, uh, from the Bengals here, um, I said it's going to be high scoring, so the kickers are going to be involved. And, you know, I was actually really tempted to take both Gay and McPherson on this because uh, at their value, they uh, their average points is higher than the guys around their dollar amount. And with it potentially being a high scoring game, they could um, exceed that value um, potentially fairly easily, actually. So that is my team for the week. Shoot, if Matt Gay gets five field goals, that's <laughs> it's not bad if you would have put him in there. Yeah, you, you wanted to go two Qs. He almost ended up with two Ks instead. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's <laughs> um, a mess, guys. Those, are, a those mess. are both tough letters to use in Scrabble, so that's an interesting strategy there, Armin. Um, I went with the same as Armin here with my MVP on Cooper Cup. Uh, I think he just speaks for himself there. He is just the undisputed number one, and – I think the argument is most people want to put a quarterback in there. Um, but the problem is with putting a quarterback in, you limit yourself a little bit. Um, when you look at production wise, some of those players that can boom, uh, they boom in a big way and they can actually outproduce their quarterbacks. If a quarterback throws a pick, that's obviously detrimental to those players. You look at Cooper Cup, he's outproduced the quarterbacks in almost all the playoff weeks. Uh, and then I talked about him, obviously, in a season long. Armand's talked about him. Uh, I mean, his, his statistics speak for himself. I have Cooper Cup in there for $16,000. Then my flex in order of expense. Uh, I talked about him enough already. I had to go with my boy. I had to bet with my heart, Matthew Stafford, $15,500. Then I, uh, I ended up taking T. Higgins as my wide receiver that I wanted from Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, it's going to be a really tough matchup for Jamar Chase. He's going to be getting the Ramsey treatment. 
Um, I'm interested to see how this one's going to play out and who's going to win that battle. But regardless, I didn't feel very comfortable betting against Ramsey and I've already spent big dollars on Stafford and cup. So I took the discount uh, with T Higgins at $10,500. I think that's going to be the matchup. I would much rather take. Uh, I also took Cam Akers with a bit of a discount at $10,000. I bet against them the last time uh, after the fumbles and uh, that didn't really work out in my favor all that much. He still carried the load and he was still RB1. So with very limited funds, I think Cam Akers is a nice little play at $10,000. And then with only uh, a few dollars left, I was kind of bargain bin hunting and I had two guys in my mind. One was Van Jefferson, but already going really deep with the uh, Rams there. I wanted a little bit of uh, balance. So I ended up taking from the Cincinnati Samanje Pirine, the running back for $7,000. He vultured the touches from Mixon in the hurry up offense, uh, as well as third down options as well. Samanje Pirine, he's a guy that they went to. He had the last minute touchdown in the second half uh, that ended up putting him on the board and kickstarting the comeback. So for dollar amount there, Mixon 12,500 compared to Samanje Pirine 7,000, obviously Mixon is going to carry the load, but Pirine might be able to, uh, to dip in there and steal some touches. So um, I think when you're looking at Jefferson versus Pirine, Jefferson's going to have to catch a long bomb touchdown where Pirine might be able to PPR his way to relevance here in this matchup. So that's kind of where I went with a little bit of safety with Pirine. Zach, I know you're comfortable already, but uh, let's see, let's see your lineup. I almost had the audacity of just putting in scrubs. (laughs) I had $20,000 left over. Suck it. (laughs) Has that guy even played this year? Oh, he dressed once. That's how you win the Millie Maker 2 by going just totally off the beaten path. Yeah. Um, Speaking of that, I was going to say, um, so for the MVP, all three of us actually went with Cooper Cup at uh, $16,000. In a competition like this, it's, it's no real surprise when it's just the three of us. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if the, the winner of the million maker or any big competition on FanDuel or DraftKings um, might not have Cooper Cup at that spot. That's where you look at like have, something weird like a defense or a kicker that puts up like astronomical numbers. They're going to have somebody that is uh, a low percentage of ownership and that's going to smash and that's going to be what propels them in front of the rest of the competition they may have cup in their lineup but maybe they have like a a t higgins in there and he goes off for like two or three scores and 150 yards and that's what propels him or them i guess um it's higgins that propels them to the to the championship um but for this competition between the three of us i thought cup was a no-brainer at the mvp spot uh, and then for my first flex, I went with Joe Burrow. Um, this will be one of the few Super Bowls um, since my wife and I have been together where um, the Pats aren't playing or Tom Brady isn't playing. And this will be one of the few Super Bowls where I am nerve free. So uh, my wife is becoming a Bengals fan. She thinks their helmets are cute. So I am looking forward to cheering on uh, Joe Burrow with my wife. Oh, that is, that's a statement and a half. I love it. Yeah. You got nice um, helmets. 
Yeah, watching the Pats or watching Brady play the Super Bowl, um, I'm a nervous wreck. So I usually find myself in the basement by myself or with some buddies. I saw something. It was that this is the first time in what was it, 20 years or something like that, that it hasn't been the Pats. Or no, it wasn't not the Pats. Was it Tom Brady, Pittsburgh? Oh, how did that work? Pittsburgh, Tom Brady. It was, it was list of three teams and Tom Brady that they the combination of those four have not been in a Super Bowl. It would have been like like probably like Green Bay, maybe in Indianapolis. Yeah, it was. Pittsburgh I can't. And- I can't remember what it was, but it was like, holy man, that is that's crazy. Like twenty <laughs> years. I, yeah. I think it might have been it might have been longer than that, but yeah, like now you now you mention it, it's been. Or was it like Peyton Manning? Yeah, it might have been Denver. Like, yeah, if it, it was like Manning, Roethlisberger, Rodgers, and Brady. Yeah, yeah. it's. I, I still rem- I will still never forget that year, Zach, when we were sitting in uh, Germs's basement and we were watching, and I just look over at you with the absolute dirty grin on my face because the Pats were catching an absolute licking, and you couldn't have been more melted into that coach. <laughs> and then by the end of that game, I think your head went through that basement roof because it was just. I was like, this guy, this guy might take a sick day tomorrow. Like, I don't think he can show his face at school. <laughs> and then, and then yeah. he still might not be able to show his face at school tomorrow because his head is through the ceiling. Yeah, thank God uh, John and Megan have uh, a suspended ceiling. <laughs> that was unbelievable. Man, we've, had, we've been treated to some fun Super Bowls. Like, yep. And then, uh, you know, before that, there was the Seahawks Super Bowl. Like, it was a good back and forth game. And then yep. just a bonkers ending. And then that same year we watched the football game. Was it at your your place or was it no? That was at Germs' basement too, where you watched the yeah. national championship with uh, Deshaun yeah, Watson. Yeah, and yeah, then Clemson. the year after that was was at my house the yeah. uh, the Alabama Georgia one. Yeah, Tua coming in. Yeah, at halftime. Yeah. Man, so after, oh, go ahead. No, I was just gonna say we've been treated some good football. Absolutely. Um. So after Burrow, um, beginning to stack some Cincinnati receivers with Burrow. Um, so I also took T Higgins and I believe all three of us also have T Higgins. So that's a bit of a wash, but I really wanted to make sure that I was able to stack a few receivers with the quarterback. Um, I would have liked to have chase in there as well, but I also had a similar train of thought to you, Jordan, where, um, I just think Ramsey will be shadowing him quite a bit. And that may limit his, uh, his ceiling a little. Um, and then my third flex, my fourth player, I took Cam Akers for 10,000. Um, I think he's somebody that he's somebody that if you put in that MVP slot for a million maker, you might have a shot where um, the, the Rams are able to score a, a time or two on the ground and Akers is the beneficiary. And then my last player, um, I'm actually super stoked about this one, um, is Tyler Boyd, receiver for the Bengals. Um, I'm excited about this because even though uh, CJ Uzama, the tight end for Cincinnati, um, is saying publicly that he wouldn't miss the biggest game of his life, um, he still does have an MCL sprain. um, And that sounds painful to me. I've never had one but I don't know how effective he'll be. And in the previous two games uh, before the Kansas city game, Uzama had eight targets for seven receptions against the Titans. 
had six targets for six receptions against the Raiders. Um, Uzama and Boyd will work, I figure, um, will work similar parts of the field, the short to intermediate passing game over the middle. Um, and if Uzama is limited or out, I would expect Boyd to get a lot more of that production. Um, now you might be thinking Boyd didn't get that production um, in the KC game. It's because they haven't, they didn't game plan for that, uh, for that role for Boyd. But now having two weeks to game plan, I would not be surprised in the least bit if they put Boyd um, into similar rote combinations as they had Uzama. Yeah, that's a sneaky play, Zach. It's a sneaky play. I had uh, I had Boyd in there, and he snuck me in a touchdown, and he he capitalized for me in a big way. So I, I like that play a lot. And it also allows me to stack two receivers with Burrow. I'll take a quote from uh, Armin Schellenberg. Now that I've seen your lineup, can I change mine? <laughs> <laughs> oh, so classic. Hey, I just wanted to get different from you guys. <laughs> Just get talking, some, uh, talking get some more content on the pod, you know, by having more names thrown out there. Like, just talking points. I like it. Um, that's gonna do it here, everybody, for uh, for the big 4 0 episode number 40 for us. Um, we're super excited here for this big week. Um, I like I mentioned, I love Super Bowl week. Uh, it's obviously uh, the tail end of the, the week on the Sunday is where all the fireworks happen, but it's gonna be a lot of fun here. I'll be putting out some stuff on social media here for our award winners. Uh, obviously thank you very much for voting on those throughout the uh the past week uh, obviously without you guys we we couldn't have made that happen it's just been us talking about our favorite players so big thank you for doing that uh pay attention for the super bowl props bets that'll be coming out right away and if uh, you're still looking for a place for the super bowl obviously you know where we'll be uh that'll be at rock trout event center on central avenue near prince albert come on down come watch some football and enjoy some good time with good people so uh, that'll do it on behalf of the 306 Fantasy Football Podcast. On behalf of Zach, Armin, and myself, thank you very much for listening. Enjoy Super Bowl week, and hopefully see you guys on Sunday. Take care, everybody. Talk soon. Mm-hmm.